You're listening to Holy Family Parish in Hanover, Ontario, Canada. We're so glad you could join us for this presentation. For more podcasts and video, and to learn more about us, visit our website at holyfamily.ca. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thursday Night Appetizer. So happy to be here with you today on Thursday, the 20th of January, January 2022. You're watching or listening to, as it may be, Thursday Night Appetizer. Wow, and that person was drinking a nice ice-cold Coke, and we are drinking coffee with a little bit of old milk in it. The milk is, um, well, expired on my birthday, which was last Friday. How are you, Deacon Charles? Excellent, because I'm eating a butter tart. And that butter tart has a backstory. You know, a lady from our uh, parish died, Mrs. Hunt, a couple of days ago. So I came up to the church today. Her funeral was this morning. Her son, Francis, and family were leaving, and I expressed my condolences, and they said, would you like a tart? I said, sure. Just kind of weird. Because I was thinking, oh, maybe they'd be sad, you know, their mom, their grandma just died. But actually, yeah, there's a lot of joy that comes along with the funeral mass, which is um, entering into the joy of Jesus Christ and, and the resurrection. And it's kind of mysterious. You can, maybe you, you, were at the, you were actually at the funeral, which I wasn't. I just got the tart. What was that like, Sam? It was, it was a happy funeral. Yeah. There are happy funerals and there are sad funerals. Yeah. And of course, I mean, the death of a loved one is always sad. But um, with someone like Joan, uh, I've been to funerals like, like hers before, where um, there's just a sense that, um, a sense of joy. Like the, the person the person has uh, gone on and maybe has been relieved of their suffering in a way, um, gone on to, into the afterlife. And we recognize that she was, you know, a follower of Jesus and loved Jesus her whole life and was ready to go. Like Joan was very much ready to mm-hmm. to go and to be with the Lord. So yeah, I think there's almost like a relief and a sense that her life had like great meaning and she left a beautiful legacy and it was almost like it was complete, you know. So it was really a really triumphant, joyful experience, I would say. Pretty mysterious. It's mysterious, yeah. But but um, or, um the. Catholic funeral is beautiful. Like the liturgy is beautiful. Always, I've always loved the, the readings they chose were really, really nice. Um, it was just, it was just a, a really joyful, really like it was a, ce- a celebration, mm-hmm. and not like a, not kind of like a celebration of life. More like just like, like uh, we really recognize that like God is victorious over death, and and uh, that that we right we were called to to be his followers and the, and to rise again in the end, right. Last week, rise from the ashes. Last week we were talking about little things, and I think butter tarts are little things. They're not not really big enough, but you see, you thought getting a butter tart from a grieving family member was shocking. No, I didn't say and, shocking, or, but not, it was surprising. And it was. I don't because I know the Hunt family and I know what they're like, and they probably just had way too many butter tarts. And we're like, here, have a butter tart because they were literally trying to get rid of. <laughs> but at the same time, because I know the the people that were there, uh, Francis, Janice, and, and Colleen, that. There's something joyful about butter tarts, and mm. it reminds me, I don't know, but I assume Mrs. Hunt, Joan, uh, baked a lot of butter tarts in her day, that is like, okay, this is a little piece of her legacy, which is being shared with somebody who's been part of this community that she was a part of for 
much of her life. Fun fact, um, Joan loves color, mm. bright, bright colors. Right. And a family member rec- said mentioned that when they were kind of preparing for the funeral and said, why don't we wear bright colors? So uh, they sent an email around all the family and asked mm. them to wear bright colors instead of black. So that was kind of fun. Yeah. And it, that, that gives you an idea of like sort of the nature of the celebration. It was, they really want, everyone really wanted it to be a joyful celebration. Well, what I was saying before, and this might be important to you if you're watching or listening, and you may not be a Christian, even for those of us who are, the joy is ultimately rooted in the joy of the resurrection, which is what you were saying as well, Sam. It's not really about Mrs. Hunt. It's about all of us and how Jesus has opened the doors of heaven by dying for us on the cross and rising from the dead, which might tie into our, um, our talk for this, uh, this, this, uh, this Thursday Night Appetizer. Yes, and this Thursday Night Appetizer is an exciting one because the theme of this Sunday's reading forms the basis of the theme for Unify, which begins tomorrow. Ooh. It's been a long haul. It's been a long gap. Deacon Charles told me today that he missed it. Yeah, I did. I missed it too. Oops, so, sorry, I didn't mean to do that, but I wanted to put, put up the Unify logo. Yeah, we should. Um, this is the theme for overall for Unify. You will be found. Have you ever felt lost? Have you ever felt alone? Jesus is searching for you. You will be found. Not in a creepy way. And, of course, it's rhetorical. I'm sure everyone has felt lost and alone at times. It's part of the human experience. And um, But Jesus is searching for you and will find you. He is persistent. He loves you, gave his life for you, wants you to be with him wants to support you and be close to you in your life so yeah you will be found so this this backgrounder is actually part of as sam will talk about a bit later of what we call soaking in the word god is always continually speaking to us especially through his word but also through the events of our life his word meaning the bible and uh the the background already came out i think it came out yesterday a little bit of a reflection which i'll go over shortly we're going to share our own our prayerful uh, meditations, if you will, what comes into our minds and hearts about this reading, Thursday Night Appetizer. It'll be preached about tomorrow night um, at the worship service, Unify, and you have a chance to f- follow up with more discussion with people you're close to, a, a group of people you share your faith with, your family, friends, soaking in the word. Thought I'd say too much. No, I'm just, uh, this coffee is it's too strong. It's all your fault, Sam. I like to blame you. Didn't you say you left the coffee maker on for several days? Mm-hmm. And it probably evaporated a lot of the coffee in the reservoir. It's great with butter tarts, though. Anyway. I actually, don't you think we should start now? Yeah. Um, are we missing something, though? Um, logo? There, that one. Soaking in the Word. Yeah, we were talking about soaking in the Word. And, and uh, a, gr- a big hello to everyone from the U- Unify Worship Service who may or may not be here for the first time watching Thursday Night Appetizer or listening to it on... Uh, on Spotify, on uh, Google Podcasts, lots of different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we better get to the backgrounder, I would say. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Okay, here we go. All right, so this week we're going to be hearing about Jesus speaking to a bunch of people, a group of people in his hometown, the town where he was raised, Nazareth. Um, and uh, he's going to preach the good news for the first time in public. And I want to ask the question for the backgrounder, why do we need the good news? Or maybe, why do you need the good news? In order to get at that question, I want to ask the question, which I think is one of the hardest questions we answer often, is, how are you doing? How do you feel when people ask you this question? How are you doing? Some people are really doing wonderfully and are happy to share this, and that's a great thing. Good for them. I mean, really good for them. But for many people, this is a hard question. Some people may carry around past burdens, things that hurt them a long time ago, 
things that they just can't let go of. Other people are in the middle of a present pain, so much pain, they feel like they have to pretend everything's fine. And maybe yet others feel so insignificant that they may think that they have nothing to say because no one actually cares. Think of that question again. How are you doing? Uh, in, this, in this passage we're about to hear from the Gospel of Luke, Jesus comes to his hometown, to the synagogue, equivalent of a church in those days, where he's going to preach. How are the people there feeling? Are they all fine? What would they tell you if you asked them? Maybe they're a lot like we are. That's what I think. We know the expectation in the room is pretty great. The eyes of all in the synagogue looked intently at him. I imagine the people are excited and joyful, looking for the locally famous preacher to make them proud. There's approval, but also expectation. Jesus is expected to make them feel good. It's not necessarily what he's there to do, actually. The passage that Jesus chooses to read is from the prophet Isaiah. And this, this passage has a particular audience. There's a bunch of people who are being addressed in this passage. The people who are poor, who are captives, who are blind, who are oppressed. In other words, people who are not fine. Remember the question, how are you doing? Most common answer, fine, okay, good, whatever, right? The category of people that are being addressed by the good news is people who are not fine. Maybe this is hard for you to accept, but these are the words of the prophet Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus speaking of himself. He has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. We need the glad tidings, the gospel of Jesus Christ, because we're not always fine. To be able to hear Jesus proclaiming glad tidings to you, you need to acknowledge in your heart that sometimes you're not fine. And that's okay to say, really, because it means we're all in the same boat, definitely including me and Sam. The first part of hearing the good news, being able to hear it as good news, is based on a realization that Jesus sees each one of us as we really are, and that he loves us in this in this brokenness that we have within. Good news means things like glad tidings, liberty, recovery, freedom, a year acceptable to the Lord. Those are all things that we heard from the same passage. Everything being the way God intends it to be. That's the good news. The journey of faith from lost to found starts by knowing this, whether or not you are fine, you are loved, and Jesus has come for you. Thank you, Deacon Charles. I will now lead us in a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Spirit, amen. Praise and thank you, Lord, and glorify you. We give you honor and glory for uh, your presence in our lives, for being who you are, the sovereign King, the Lord of the universe. And Lord, how can we respond to you any other way but to just lay down our lives before you? You are the King, you're the Master. And you give yourself to us in such an intimate way through your Son, Jesus, through your Holy Spirit, which comes to lead and guide us and give us power. And all that you desire in return is that we give you our love, our hearts in return. We ask you, Lord, to come into the brokenness and the lostness of our lives and and be present there and help us to see ourselves for who we really are. Help us not to hide behind the masks, to lay everything bare before you at your feet. And Lord, we trust that you have what's best in store for us. We trust you in the good times and the bad. Help us, Lord, to understand the scripture passage we're about to read. And please send your Holy Spirit upon us to give us an inspiration, to give us light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news of him spread through the whole region. He taught in their synagogues and was praised by all. He came to Nazareth, where he had grown up, and went according to his custom into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read and was handed a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the passage where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, 
to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. Rolling up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue looked intently at, at him. He said to them, today, today this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. Ready to share something, Sam? Sure. Let me just uh, chew up there. There we go. Yeah. Um, okay, let's see. <clears throat> I was thinking about um, picturing picturing all this happening. Something I didn't notice before was he had actually sat back down mm. um, after reading the scroll. He sort of rolled it up and like his time was done. Mm -hmm. handed, it, handed it back and went and sat down. Be like the speaker, you know, if you had like someone getting up to speak, they'd give him their speech and then they, right. they go and sit down. Normally they don't have anything to say after that. But everyone was still looking at him, right? And uh, I was wondering why they were silent, like what it was that they heard or didn't hear that mm -hmm. made them look like they were expecting something more, right? Like it was almost like he hadn't said what everyone expected him to say or what they thought he should have said. And I was thinking that it might have had something to do with the fact that he was famous. Um, it says that he was praised by all word. News of him spread through the whole region. Mm-hmm. So probably when he was teaching in their synagogues, he was saying things that were like maybe shocking or very true or like people were like really moved or whatever. And that's why news spread of him. Probably he was saying things that we've heard him say, like kind of warning the Pharisees or like, I don't know. Like who knows what he was teaching? We don't know, right? Mm -hmm. What he was teaching in the synagogues. But it was enough to get him some fame. And I wonder if, I don't know, I think there's two, two scenarios. Maybe they thought he should have said more like, like okay, where's the show? Right? What's the punchline? Right. Right? Because you just read from the book of Isaiah, chapter 14. Don't remember. I'm sorry. 14 one, um, which is a, about him. We know that now. Mm -hmm. It's about him. They, did, they knew it was about the Messiah, but <coughs> probably not that he was the Messiah. So he reads this passage, kind of an ordinary thing to do in the synagogue, and then he goes and sits down. Like he hasn't said anything disruptive or shocking or memorable. Right. Right. But then what he says is, in my opinion, which is today this passage is fulfilled in your in your hearing. <laughs> Could you say anything more? Surely a gasp went through the mm -hmm. crowd as Jesus announced himself to be the Messiah, essentially, right? Um, it was either that or maybe people realized. Maybe they were, they were looking at him because they were like, is that him? Is this the one that Isaiah was writing about? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's one of those two things or maybe something else entirely. That's what stood out to me. I think that's great because uh, I was what struck me, and I've spent a few days looking at this passage already. Um, how everything in the Bible, especially events related to Jesus, as mentioned in the Gospels, you could you could look at so many different at so many different levels. Especially one of the things that we can do with faith is to consider how what is going on here at a divine level. And I was really focusing on the phrase he unrolled the scroll. And it reminded me of a passage, which I just looked up. <laughs> I don't remember these things exactly, but I knew it was in the book of Revelation. Listen to this. Um, Revelation chapter 5. It's the, about the scroll, right? This is like a vision of heaven, essentially, in some kind of mysterious way. I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who sat on the throne. It had writing on both sides and was sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a mighty angel who proclaimed in a loud voice, Who is worthy? to open the scroll and break its seals. We're talking about a scroll. Same thing, right? Same physical thing. But no one in heaven 
or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to examine it. I shed many tears. This is the author of the book of Revelation, John. I shed many tears because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to examine it. One of the elders said to me, Do not weep. One of, uh, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed, enabling him to open the scroll with its seven seals. Then I saw, standing in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures and the elders, a lamb that seemed to have been slain, which is a, a, a sort of symbolic representation of Jesus, who's referred to as the lamb. And um, uh, skip ahead a few verses in chapter 5. The lamb takes the scroll, which is sealed, and then everybody there sings a new hymn. Worthy are you to receive the scroll, to break open its seals. For you were slain, that's Jesus dying on the cross, and with your blood you purchased for God those from every tribe and tongue, people and nation. I'll stop there. My point is, this unrolling the scroll, which is an ordinary thing which would have happened every Sabbath, the equivalent of our Saturday, when they gather at the synagogue, when he unrolls the scroll, he's actually, as he says, this passage is fulfilled, right? This is, this is now fulfilled. He is fulfilling everything prophesied because he is the divine son of God. He's also Jesus of Nazareth. He's taken on human reality, like human, not just form, but like he's one of us now. But he's fulfilling everything at, a, at a, like a divine level. Like the whole universe is shaking, so to speak, because he is beginning to fulfill something that no one else could. And I, I thought it was really poignant that passage, Revelation chapter 5 again, where people are described, this is in heaven, as weeping because no one is worthy to break open the seals and open the scroll, right? But he is because mm -hmm. he's, he's the, he is the Lamb of God. He is the Son of God. And by his blood, he's purchased for God people of every nation. Anyway, just thinking about that level of what's happening there and like, the poor people, in a sense, I feel sorry for them. It's like in the synagogues, like he's not just even the Messiah. The Messiah was just supposed to be a figure to liberate Israel from captivity or slavery, which they were. They were conquered people. But it's like this is the whole universe that is like hanging in the balance when he opens that scroll. Yeah. I like how Isaiah, in Isaiah's prophecy, he's speaking in the first person. Right. Right. The spirit of the Lord has anointed me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It wasn't him. It wasn't right. Isaiah. Right, right. Right? He was speaking on behalf of the Messiah. Yep. And then when Jesus was saying it, he was saying it in the first person about mm -hmm. himself. And he makes clear when he says, today the scripture is fulfilled in yeah, your presence. I am, I am actually saying these words for mm -hmm. real this time. Yeah. I'm not a prophet like Isaiah. I'm the one that's come to fulfill these words. Mm -hmm. um, it's amazing. Um, uh, I was thinking about what you said in the background about being okay. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, you know how the people in the synagogue were probably coming for a show um, you know much like we do when we go looking for entertainment or whatever I was thinking about something that um, we're gonna hear a great tomorrow night at Unify we're gonna hear a great testimony from uh, a young man in our in our midst named Graham and uh, he's been thinking about this a lot about the the masks that we wear the hiding I don't want to give away but I'm not gonna give away everything you could say. We, could, we could say he's a high school student he's, he's talking about student. his fellow high school students and we were all saying when we heard him talk about this which is why we asked him to speak that's actually the rest of us as well, not just high school students, right? Yeah, but uh, one of the things we were talking about when we were going over his his uh, testimony is just how we like how many things we have that like that we use as comfort mm. to like more or less distract ourselves from what's really going on, right? From who we really who we really are, right? And if you think like many things are like that, even if we don't realize it at the at the time, um, 
you know, something which I think is like a healthy habit, but he was using it as an escape was reading, right? He would go like lose himself in a book. And it was because he didn't want to face um, something in himself, you know? And I just was thinking about entertainment in that way that, um, you know, these people are presumably, you know, many of them came to see the the guy that everybody was talking about, you know? They're looking for another show. Yeah. And, um, and yet Jesus came to remove those masks and break down the the appearances that people were hiding behind, especially the, the leaders, right? Especially the people, the people leading the, uh, the Jewish people. Yeah. So what I think we have in common with those people is why we keep the masks going. I, I, I wonder if this is fair, but I think we almost need them because we don't have the strength and it's too painful to maybe even admit to ourselves, let alone the people around us, mm-hmm. that sometimes at least sometimes we're not okay I, like i would say there's a big difference for me in my life between like i've gone through periods of time when I, i've really struggled but i haven't lived my whole life like that some people i know have lived we we're talking about that like the homes in which people grew up and the pain they experienced there for instance which i did not um so whether it's periodic but it's like it's still too painful i wonder if that's one of the reasons that people we kind of need masks because we're not really strong enough to deal with the pain. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Well, yeah, I think when you're like faced with like a hopeless situation and you, you really have no alternative but to hide like because nothing will help, mm-hmm. at least nothing on earth. Right. Right. Um, so, and we use, it co- we use it to cope, right? We use the mask to cope mm-hmm. um, with the whatever it is, the honor, the hardship we're facing. This way a- easier. It's way easier just to say, I'm fine. Right. You know, um, when when recognizing it, people can't really help you anyway. Yeah, and just because you do have to be careful, I think, because just because you focus on the painful things in your life doesn't mean that everything is going to be fine. If you decide to do that, you're, t- you're undertaking a really difficult journey within yourself or within your own past or in, in your family relationships or whatever the case, all kinds of things. And you can make things worse, I think. I've seen it happen. When you try to address things that you're not really strong enough to address and you don't have the proper support to do it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to discourage people from like um taking that journey, but it's it's hard. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like I, I'm just trying to speak up for the, the mask wearing as a coping mechanism or strategy that is actually effective and that we actually need. Like where I work, even here where you work at the church, you can't be going around all the time falling apart. Right. A good example is funerals. Right. Some people, some of the people at a funeral need to have, need to hold it together, right? And I, in my family, I've often been that person or one of those people mm-hmm. that's holding it together out of necessity, but it doesn't mean that I'm not suffering. It just means I'm putting it off. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. In a sense, it's a mask, but it's a necessary one. Yeah. But we all need a place in a, I guess, like a, <laughs> I, hate the, I hate the phrase safe place, but we need a place where we can... Um, be free to be ourselves as well. I've, I've been thinking a lot um, about Adam and Eve in the garden and wh- whatever real events lie behind the book of Genesis that tells us that after they had, out of pride and disobedience, turned away from God, that they were, in a sense, full of shame and mm-hmm. they hid. Yeah. And I, I actually think shame is a healthy thing, but not not like it looks like any other healthy thing it's like too much of it is really bad for you a sense of shame is a reminder you just did something wrong you shouldn't have done it's something that's harmful to yourself or to others 
But if that sense of shame becomes predominant, then you're then what they try to do, which is I think what we all try to do, where 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 their children spiritually, especially like in the present, we're like that. Shame is very discouraging, and that what they tried to do was they tried to hide from God, which is this is ridiculous. It's like, but I I know it, the only thing I can say about that is that I do it all the time. Hide from God. Hide from God. Oh, yeah. pretend I can hide from God. Yeah. Yes, I know shame is very powerful. It's uh, um, I would say it's it's like um, it's necessary though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's actually it's actually a gift from God that we have mm-hmm. shame mm-hmm. because we're meant to know, we're meant to feel bad. Yep. You know, at certain things. Certain things should cause shame. In fact, you can sort of repress shame to the point that nothing shames you, mm-hmm. which would be a bad thing. I think, you know, I could probably think about what I'm telling, what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Being numb uh, is the opposite. Your, use your imagination. Right? You know, there's people that don't feel shame that should. Right. They should be ashamed of themselves yeah, or what yeah. they're doing. Their choices, whatever you want to say. Um, but unfortunately, the flip side of that is shame keeps us from just from being honest with people and with God. You know, it puts mm-hmm. us in that, that hidden state where we think, "Oh, I'll just, I'll just put it, put it off to the side, and I'll just pretend it didn't happen." And you know, and we end up like Adam and Eve, hiding and putting fig, fig leaves on ourselves. I want to ask you a personal question, which I'm, I'll ask myself oh, as well. What kinds of things do you find shameful? There you go. You don't have to talk about any detailed things. I'm not going to. <laughs> but people, I think people just need to hear. Um, okay, I'll mention one. You'll probably relate to this. The way I have occasionally spoken to my family, I, I could be ashamed of that. Yeah. I have been. Because it's, it's been bad and wrong. Yep. Yep. That's true. Not just your family, but other people. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, yeah. That's like a that's like a public one. I immediately what I think of is like just like lustful thoughts. Yeah. Like things that happen internally where um, and and that's that's a case too where you you can let it become something that doesn't give you shame anymore right right you need to form you almost need to form yourself to um to think of others in the right way and you can get it get to a place where it doesn't shame you good because you've repressed that feeling of shame that you should have so when i'm thinking about shame i'm thinking about physical pain yeah and i've, I've been thinking about this i think i'm right correct me if you think i'm wrong or anyone else wants to correct me please let us know I think a physical pain is actually a signal from our bodies that something is about is harming us. Mm-hmm. Whether it's like a pain, an internal pain, like in your stomach, because you've eaten something that you shouldn't have, too much rich food or whatever, or you like step on something sharp, which is maybe gonna you're gonna bleed. But it's important actually that you feel pain, so you know I just have a cut on my foot. I should attend to that. The pain is a signal to you that something bad has happened to you. Yep. Shame like that, I think, spiritually or personally to us, right? It's like. Shame is not good in itself. Too much shame is really bad for you. But some shame is necessary. So we know, as you said about lustful thoughts, for example, mm-hmm. um, that's not something I should be doing. And at the same time, you can become a prisoner of shame. Yeah. Which is when it's so overwhelming that you're discouraged. So it's a double-edged sword. It's good and it's bad. Right. Like pain. Like physical pain. Yeah. Like physical pain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's true. I so just, I think it's... One more thing. I just think it's so amazing. Shame is actually amazing. Yeah. It's a it's a function of our reason that the other like the animals don't have. Right. Right. We the fact that you experience shame when you do something mm-hmm. is amazing. It's 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 pointing you to something. It's pointing you to the fact that there is an objective truth or mm-hmm. value that you haven't lived up to. Right. Right. That you've fallen short of. And everyone feels it at certain times, right? I- 
I like the word objective. Uh, I like the word given as well, because given implies a giver and a gift. Mm -hmm. the, the order of reality is not something I've, I've created or that I'm, I'm responsible for. It's God who's the giver of the given. Like sure. the given is just like the way things are, whether I like it or not. Certain ways I should not treat myself. Certain ways I should not treat other people. Certain foods I should not eat. Problem for me sometimes. Um, yeah. And it's a gift. So this is why I, want to, why I want to turn the conversation, Sam. I think you'll understand. Jesus is actually, is actually proclaiming good news to a bunch of people who, if they're like us, we don't know for sure, most of them are probably have employed or will be employing or are employing masks, which basically say they're fine. Everybody's fine. It's fine, fine, fine. How are you doing? Fine. Okay, good, good, good. Um, but they're not actually fine, at least not many of them. And they're all struggling in different ways. They all need good news. So I'm just thinking, how can someone, which could be you or me, who has become dependent on a mask that everything's fine, how can someone like that hear the good news as something they need to hear? Because mm. you got so dependent on the mask, right? That you have to, you have to be able to tell yourself, I'm fine. You have to be able to tell other people, I'm fine. But it's not even a dress that you're doing, period. Mm -hmm. So how can someone like that hear the good news? Yep. Yeah, because, um, you know, there's another, there, Jesus is inviting us to the other side. Right. To freedom, right? Right, come right, set, right, right. He's come to set the captives, pro proclaim freedom to the captives, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We're the captives. Yep. And he's come to set us free. Right. But how do you recognize that I can let go of, right. of that? And in effect, I mean, uh, the word that comes to mind that we use in the church a lot is surrender, mm -hmm. right? When you sort of say, okay, I'm, I'm done hiding, mm -hmm. pretending, yep. I'm just going to be honest with God and let him free me, let him save me, right? That's not always something that happens in an instant. Sometimes it takes mm -hmm. a long time. Yeah. Sometimes it's, a, well, it's always a struggle, a battle, mm -hmm. right? Um, but what what would yeah what would convince um, sort of the average person to to make that leap or to to take that yeah. mask off right is that the question? Yep. Mm -hmm. Getting to know Jesus. Getting okay, know I'll, like. I'll I'll throw something else in you. I, I, we talk about a lot, but I think you'll probably agree is you need to start to feel that it's okay that there are people around you ah. who don't who don't judge you. I wouldn't say that they don't judge you. I judge people all the time. I'm in favor of judgment. Well, I'm not in favor of, no, no, wait, wait, wait. I'm not in favor of condemnation, right? Okay. Judgment means like, I actually see you as you are. I mean, so that I'm, just means you're judging people without saying that you're judging them secretly. No, I'm willing to tell people things. It depends on how much they want to hear from me. I, I really am. It's like, I know what you're saying. I, I honestly, I like, well, how about this? Honestly, like right? The people that are watching now next time I see you, they're going to be wondering, is he judging me? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Because I think we do that all the time. But I'll, I'll flip it over, turn it to, to myself. I'm glad I have a friend like you, Sam, and a few other people, my wife, Mary, above all, um, here on this earth, who can be honest with me. Because if I didn't have people like you around me who could be honest with me, and whom I would trust that you're actually my friend, uh, Mary actually loves me, I, couldn't, I would have a really hard time being honest with myself about myself. I mean, I've been confronted by Mary more than once over the years. I'd like to think probably do the same for her, because that's what being married is about. That's what friendship is about. The people who are my friends confront me on things that I don't want to think about. And I need that. Uh, so I think that but the, the, judging without condemning is what I'm trying to get at. Or it's like, another way, better, better way of saying that is being, just being honest. People can be honest with me, but people whom I trust, they're not trying to hurt me. Right. So 
I guess, so the to answer your own question, it's uh, to belong to a community that doesn't condemn you for your weaknesses. Otherwise, if you pulled out the mask, everyone would judge you and look at mm-hmm. you like you were maybe a yeah. I, maybe getting get, being together with people that you you trust, yeah, that are also willing to pull off the mask in their right. own life and that's, be honest with right. you. That's right, because it's it's mutual, right? You think of like yep. a good friend. Yep, you can be really honest with. Yep, right. Can I name drop again? Sure. Um, a couple of people who watch Thursday Night Appetizer, okay, who've been uh, honest with me and with us about how much they appreciate it and enjoy it, but also like um, one of our friends, Mark, was saying, hey, that kind of ended abruptly last week. That wasn't the, I really enjoyed it, but he said, but you've set a higher bar. So, you know, he's being honest with me. That and face, uh, That face is for Mark. <laughs> not just Mark, but um, we've got some, some great feedback from our friend Lou. And some of it's, most of it's really appreciative and, and so forth. But but there have been some things like we got to, you know, like he said, once I looked like really nervous or something, which I did, I was not feeling that great He's probably going to say I, I looked sleepy today because I am kind of sleepy. Okay. I don't know why. I got a great sleep last night. We're talking about masks and <laughs> to some extent how I'm they're... I'm meeting Fisherman's friend, of course, just in case. Just know. in case. You never know. Um, so we're living in a world where we kind of need masks. In fact, God tells Adam and Eve to make themselves clothing out of animal skins because because of, the point is not the specifics. The point is the meaning of the specifics, which is the shame, right? So living in society with people around us, living in communities, living in families even, we need to protect ourselves and our dignity. Well, clothing is a great example of a mask that we need. Right. Right. And back to my point about knowing, innately knowing what's shameful. Mm-hmm. What do you do if your pants fall down? Right. Cover up. Right? You innately know it's shameful to go showing your business everywhere. Right? I had pants that ripped at the back once. <laughs> so did I. Yeah. We've talked about this before. Yeah. It was so funny. It's happened to everybody. I didn't know about it until I got like, it happened in grade school. I didn't find out until I got off the bus. Oh my goodness. And my sister was like, your pants are ripped wide open. Everybody could see my underwear all day. Wow. And I didn't know. I was visiting in Italy. Uh, the only, I haven't traveled a whole lot in my life, but I was traveling with my good friend from high school. And uh, his dad were visiting his grandmother and his her sister. And I bent over it. My pants, new brand new pants that I bought just a couple months before, ripped. They were laughing, these two old <laughs> Italian ladies. Should have got pants that fit you better. Well, then, then his dad, because I, I, I I'm bigger than my friend. Uh, so his dad's pants fit me. So his dad gave me a pair of pants. These two ladies were like, they actually had a business. They were seamstresses. They had a big business, actually, that eventually got sold to Benetton. Might have heard of Benetton. Anyway, whatever. And they sewed up my pants for me. They said, yeah, the stitching, single stitching. It wasn't very good stitching. So they, they, they strengthened my pants for me. But it was, mm. it was really embarrassing. Yeah, this should keep your big butt from ripping the pants open again. Exactly. I wasn't, near, I wasn't nearly as big then as I am now. Anyway, whatever. Uh, uh, it's, it, hey, you know what? hold in your girth. That, that actually... <laughs> That's actually, this is a good thought. A little bit of laughter can actually help you feel more comfortable because if we can, well, if you can laugh at your weaknesses to some extent without dismissing them, they're real, right? It's like, oh, there I go again. You know, that's the way I tend to speak or the way I tend to act. For instance, uh, for me, and I think for a lot of people, maybe you, procrastinating is the thing I do. So this morning I actually spent hours working on a project that I had to do for our local food bank that I'm part of. 
preparing a report. I hate preparing reports. I, I love what I do to actually get the food to people, mm -hmm. but the stupid report. But if you can laugh at yourself a you little know, bit, you know. I, I want to say something about that. We just started Morning Watchmen this week. So hello, my Morning Watchmen brothers. Hopefully you're watching this. I'm going to email this to them in a little while. Mm -hmm. um, and what, one of the things I like about it, maybe the reason I keep going back, is that you're assigned a partner called an anchor mm -hmm. who you're supposed to be blatantly open with about your weaknesses. Because at the start, you come up with something called a why, which is the reason you want to do the program and the things you want to become free from, right? Like liberty to captives, like you mm -hmm. say. And it's Jesus that sets us free. But we're taking a step and saying, I want to be free from these things. And I'm committing to my anchor that I'm going to be honest about everything. Okay? It's one of the things I like. And it might sound scary to think of it that way to people not in it. But having someone that you can be honest with and not have to hide from and laugh about stuff with, like you said, is really, really good for you. Even if nothing else came out of it, a friend that you can tell st stuff to. Yeah. That you can't tell even your, your closest spouse family sometimes. or your spouse yeah. is really, really, really refreshing. Yeah. Psychologically, spiritually. And what I was going to say is, I'm not going to tell you what my anchor is because, <clears throat> well, to protect his identity. But um, we have similar struggles. Struggles, let's say. Yeah. And last night we just got laughing about it, like sort of like what we're like. Yeah, yeah. You know, because we can relate to each other yeah. so much. Yeah. Like just about how, like, kind of. Just like how how easily fooled we are, you know, and how easily we slip into the same ha the habits that we have and things like that. Mm -hmm. And it actually is it's kind of funny mm -hmm. how like pathetic in a way, right. right? And how and how much we need God. Like like if it I was and I was talking about this with, with my my parents on the weekend. If it weren't for Him, right? Like Lord, who can be saved? Like the apostles. Mm -hmm. If it weren't for Him, there'd be no hope, right? We we're all broken. We're all weak, and um, if it weren't for God, if it weren't for Jesus, there'd be no hope. But there is. So laugh about it a little bit, like yeah, because it is kind of funny. We are so right. bad, so right. bad at it. Right. Like I, I just want to first affirm what you're saying. Just in the last few months, uh, my wife has got in touch with a friend, and they've agreed to be each other's accountability partners. Similar oh, what yeah, you're talking that's about. What, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. They speak once a week. Usually, it seems like half an hour to forty-five minutes. And I can tell you, with I, I have no idea what they're talking about. I don't. That's the whole point. I don't know. You probably talking about you. Yeah, probably talking about me. Um, <laughs> but every time the conversation finishes and Mary will kind of reemerge, it's like she's. I can feel her being lifted up. She's lifted up by her mm. sister in Christ, if I can say that, because she's a Christian or accountability partner. That's really important, actually. Um, that it means a person with hope in Jesus. If you're accountable to someone with hope in Jesus, it's very different than accountability in general. That's that's really really good. And and. I just see how Mary's lifted up, and and I will add, as the spouse on the other side, I can't offer that to her in the way that her friend can. Her accountability, not not just a friend as any other friend, but in an almost formal, structured sense, someone to whom she's spiritually accountable, and vice versa. Right? I think that's really, really great. Um, yeah. So I also want to give a word of encouragement regarding some of the really big things in my life that I think are in many people's lives, and that is. I'd say the biggest failure in my life thus far, and I want to be very open about this, is as a father. Because we've talked about this before, but I mean, if there's something in your life that you just look back and say, this is such a big and important part of who I am, and I failed at it. I think one of the things to recognize is that God did not, never did expect you to be successful at everything you do, or maybe even 
completely successful at anything you do. God wants the best for you and for each one of us. He wants to help you bring out the best in yourself, but not by continually succeeding, but by actually by, by the falling and the stumbling and the weakness. Paul talks about that in his letters, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. That it's that God gives us the freedom to say, hey, I'm not God. God, you made me, uh, you, you created me to be someone who could be a father. And you didn't, I don't have all I need to, to be a father the way I, I, sh I should have been. But that's okay because you didn't expect me to be successful all the time. But what God does not expect of everybody, and this is so important in being free, is to get it all right. That's not the point of life. That's not the, that's the way God wants to live. Even if it's major things like, like being a father, being a spouse. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe, maybe you had a business that failed because you did something really bad and your business failed. That, that happens to people. I know people, family, friends, for whom that's, they, they did that. They ruined their own business because they did something fraudulent or something. You and I both know people who have been both victimized and victimizers in, you know, really terrible crimes where people were really seriously harmed. Yeah. Those things are not too big for God. They are not too big for God. God, God can work through and does whatever, whatever garbage we, we spew out on ourselves and the people around us. It's not too much for him. I have a parting comment that's kind of like that. Yeah. Assuming we're giving our parting comments. That's a good idea. I don't want to rush us or anything, Mark. <laughs> um, but if you're if you're watching and you're you're thinking I I want that what mm -hmm. we were talking about with that being able to be honest with someone yeah if there's no one in your life like that um, I just encourage you to reach out to us in particular I know we keep talking about Unify but we call it Unify because we want to bring together people to celebrate the gospel to be together as a community and as brothers and sisters doesn't matter if you're a Christian doesn't matter if you uh, you know you've got baggage if you're wearing a mask whatever um, I feel like there are not a lot of places where you can meet people like that but I know that you can at unify mm -hmm. I can't guarantee it'll happen the first time because yeah. we're broken people too yeah but there are people there like what I'm talking about yeah and and we we want you to come and be part of our family and we want to introduce you to a community where you can be yourself and you don't have to put on a mask and pretend that you're perfect like you may you may have been to a church maybe even our church and that may have been the impression you got you wouldn't yeah. be it wouldn't be a shock for us to find that out right um because i i felt like that growing up big time and at different times in my life like i can't be on i can't be myself here i can't be honest the people here seem like they're fake to me we are really trying not to be like that and um, I know that there's a community here for you um, in Unify. So give it a shot. Come out, meet people, talk to us. Um, we all need that so badly. We need to let Jesus set us free and set the, the captive that's locked inside us free. Um, as you'll hear more about it, uh, Unify tomorrow. So Yeah, and, and for those people who are not local to us, but who are following along, as we know some are, and we really do appreciate that, um, you can certainly get in touch with us mm -hmm. through this, uh, through this, our website. You can get in touch with Sam or me. Um, you can get it messages works over to the us, phone. works over the phone. Yeah. Is there a phone number that people can call? Yeah, call the parish office. Call the parish office. Ask they'll, they'll give you my cell phone number. And um, yeah, they'll give you the My they'll, cell phone number is all over the website anyway. Yeah. And they, you can talk to Sam. You can talk to me if you want to talk. Yeah. And I, I've been thinking a lot about how you know, we really want we, we really want to do what we can, which is not everything. We cannot, we're not trying to do everything. But if you are following along and you want some support, we want to be here for you wherever you may be. And uh, 
Yeah, just I just think uh, this is a journey. Can you repeat the theme again? Can you put that screen up before we wrap? Just uh, just a reminder for me and for all of those who are watching. Have you ever felt lost? Have you ever felt alone? Jesus is searching for you. You will be found, but not in a creepy way. <laughs> yeah. Well, this was such a touchy feely, uh, you know, warm and fuzzy Thursday night appetizer. We talked about our feelings. <laughs> I just have a warm, a warm glow inside. Can I laugh at you about something? Sure. I don't know. Just anything sure. randomly. What your shirt? Head. Bald head shirt. I like the pattern of your baldness, male pattern baldness. Yeah, I know. It's, it's like it's the like back, a circle and, and a then line the coming front, down. Yeah, and this little like line that goes down That's here. That's right. It's like yeah. Central America. Yeah, in the yeah. middle there. It is. I never thought of that. That's this is like Central America. This is North South America. America or North America, and this is South America. Right. Sweet. <laughs> oh boy, what the heck Yours, are we doing here? Now, if I can pick on you, yours reminds me of like, like Africa. Where there's like sparse, sparsely, sparse vegetation everywhere. Fine, fine. Like a tree, spars- like a savanna. Yeah, like a tree springing up here and there. Right. But not like very thick. No, no longer, <laughs> no longer. How sad. <laughs> the, the odd giraffe eating from its leaves. Acacia trees, I believe, are are the favorite acacia, of the giraffe. Yeah, trees. One of the few things I remember from high school. Hey, Sam, can I pray and wrap it up? This has gone on long, long past. I know. It's uh, past almost few days. We're almost at an hour of 52 minutes. So. Yep. Let us pray. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, our Father in heaven, you see each one of us from the inside out. You know us better than we know ourselves. And we thank you for that, even when it's hard, hard to be known. Uh, you've given us the ability to cope with this life, given us some strength, and that those are gifts. We thank you for those gifts. But we know that those gifts are not enough. And we know that the greatest gift you've given us is your son, Jesus Christ, that he has the power to set captives free, that he promises recovery of sight to the blind. Maybe that's about how we see ourselves. So thank you, Father, for this incredible gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for your life. You did not set us free without a cost. The cost was your own life, the life that you took on, just like we have life here on earth. The humiliation, the suffering, the pain our sin heaped upon you on the cross, the Lamb who was slain, who has set us free. And thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, Father. Come, Holy Spirit, fill our hearts with with joy that allows us to be set free through, um, through knowing Jesus and through this community that we hope and pray to be inspired by you. We pray all these things to you, God, our Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen. A wimbowin, a wimbowin, a Are you talking about my head? Yep. Or another one is, um, It's the circle of life. I don't know that one. It's a wheel of fortune. My video froze. It's back. Sam, I think we should go. Let the people go. Let my people go. They've given up enough of their life already. See you next week, everyone. No. We'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Because all of our listeners are required to come to Unify where you're banned. Or at least watch. Or at least watch. Or at least watch. If you're from far away, we'll accept watching if you live in further than, let's say, 500 kilometers. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Bye, everybody. God bless you. See you soon. See you soon.